you damn right. Let's go on a Friday, getting ready for more critical Texas Longhorn baseball. How about that for a series starter? Wow. Uh, Texas whipping West Virginia in game one. Game two coming up tonight. Last night, Denver stays on top of the Lakers with a comeback victory. We'll talk about that. Miami and Boston tonight and plenty of football to get into. Let me get you your countdown. Texas fans, you're 106 days away from your first game. NFL freaks, we're 111 days away from the first Thursday. And Cowboys fans, you are 114 days away. For that matter, Texans fans too. 114 away from the first NFL Sunday, one of the great sports holidays in our lives. It is Chad and Zay on this Friday. Here we go. I'm Chad Hastings, and he is Isaiah Collier. What's up, Zay? What up, Chad? Two more games, Horns. Get that sweep. Big 12 championship. Porter Brown, I see you, dog. Big time game last night. My God. That's a serious game last night. How about that, dude? Yo, he wasn't playing. Um, Four for five. Three runs scored and eight RBIs. Eight of them things. Kobe's first number. Snowman. That's the snowman you want. When you play golf, you never want snowman. When you play baseball, you'll take as many snowmen as you can get. Yeah. Wow. In certain categories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hitting eight. the baseball is definitely the hardest thing in sports, in my opinion. Dude, three home runs in the game. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And then if I'm seeing right, Dylan Campbell went like three for four. So that hit streak's still going. Damn, for real? Isn't he at like 31 now? I, forgot, I, 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 I thought he was in the 30s. I forgot to ask Craig before he walked out of here, but at the end of that last series, wasn't it at 30? I think it was still going. That is one of the most amazing things to me because of what you just said. I agree with you. Hitting the baseball is one of the most difficult things. Therefore, hitting safely is one of the most difficult things to do in that world. And the idea that someone could hook together games flips me out. The fact that I'm probably going to die and nobody will catch DiMaggio is incredible to me. <laughs> right. It's my favorite record maybe in all of sports, that nobody has come close to 56. I mean, they haven't sniffed it, Zay, in our lives. My whole life, I think the closest anybody's even gotten was like Pete Rose, and he was in the 40s. He was like 44, and they started talking about it. He's still 12 away. Yeah. And I don't know that anybody ever touches that thing. Got to have a lot of luck. Yeah. Even though you put that bat in the barrel, man, you got to have a lot of luck. Yeah, it's big-time stuff, man. So uh, congrats to Texas, 12-2, beating West Virginia last night and whipping them. The great news from Porter Brown that Zay mentioned with the bats, and then what you got out of Lucas Gordon. Wow. Tough. That has to impress you if you're a Texas fan. Seven strong, gives up nothing, 95 pitches, and I was driving in today and Light the Tower played the post-game interview. Shout out to Ty Harrington, who was doing the game with Craig last night. Coach. He was, he was doing the interview after with Gordon, and it was just so cool. He's like, man, I just I had to. I had to do it. I wanted this. I had a different attitude coming to the ballpark. I wanted to do this for me and, most importantly, for the team. I had to step up. It's my job to get, a, to get us in position to get a win on a Friday, and I had to do it. Yeah, the folks on the Specs text line are letting us know 31 in a row, 37 on base. It is 31, right? Yeah. The on base is a great number, too. Oh, yeah. Obviously, that's tough to do as well. But when you're talking about the hitting streak, it's that extra unique quality of, no, 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 the walk thing doesn't technically count here. You can work a walk, and we appreciate you, but no, that doesn't work. So the fact that he's got both those going, that's amazing. Uh, Texas baseball rolling right now. We'll talk some Texas football today. 
Uh, over-unders uh, starting to come out uh, from Vegas, and I saw something yesterday. We'll dig into that a little more as we go through. But Longhorn fans, how about 9.5 over-under? What do you like right now? We'll talk about that. We also, uh, Zay found a great list coming up uh, at 1230 uh, on three, put out a list of the top 100 college football players for this season, and we will tell you how many Longhorns are on that list coming up. But... We probably should start here right after high noon with a, another heck of a shootout in the Western Conference Finals. By the end of it, Zay, Denver did it again. They kept home court. They are now up 2-0, and they've really put the Lakers in a tough spot. What, uh, what stood out last night? Um, a bad move, starting D'Angelo Russell. Mm. I thought that was still a bad move. You go look at this plus minus, which plus minus doesn't mean everything. A lot of the time people just see plus minus and say, oh, he was bad the whole time he was in there. Look at his minus 16. It has a lot to do with the lineups that you're in, the rotations that you're going against. So, you know, it's you can't always look at plus minus and see how bad somebody played. But last night, you could. You definitely could. Mm. For one, what we talked about yesterday with Bruce Brown saying what he said, how we're going at D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell has taken that personally, not in a good way, in a way to where he is not locked into the game. He hit a three last night and pointed at Bruce Brown, Chad. I saw it, yeah. He pointed at him. Yep. What are we doing? Totally in his head. Totally in his head. He blocked Bruce Brown's shot and it went out of bounds, and he barked at him, and you know what Bruce Brown did? Bruce Brown laughed and clapped. Yeah. Laughed and clapped like, dude, I am in your head. You think you're doing something? You're really not. You know who else spent a little extra time last night talking to Bruce Brown? LeBron did. Yes. So not only did Bruce Brown get D'Angelo Russell affected a little bit. I'm not saying he affected LeBron's game, but when I saw LeBron say something a little extra to him, look at him a little extra, I'm like, wow. He got your attention, too. Getting your attention. How did that happen, LeBron? I, I don't know. And Bruce Brown, he's hitting timely threes. He's playing good D. Like, they had that game. They were up by 10 multiple times, the Los Angeles Lakers, and they blew it. They blew it. And shout out to Jamal Murray. He was an absolute oh, dog. man. He was an absolute dog, man, in that fourth quarter. 14 points in the first three quarters. 23 points in the fourth quarter. He got anything he wanted. And if you're Darvin Ham, you got to stop going under that screen with him. That's what he wants. That's what he practices because the way that the Nuggets play, the way that Mike Malone's offense is orchestrated around Nikola Jokic, it's a lot of dribble handoffs. So on a dribble handoff, the ball is out toward the three-point line, and just like in football, you go and grab it and you make a turn towards the basket. If your man goes under, then that's just a wide-open shot that you practice every single day of your professional lives. Because you can't get there in time. You can't get there in time. you right. got to go over and force him to shoot the mid-range jumper. So you're saying you have to be following him the whole time. Yes. Got to stay right with him. Yes, because once he hits one, he'll get hot real quick like we saw last night. Yeah. And they kept going under, and you know they weren't pressing up on him. He was just knocking down shots, breaking down LeBron, breaking down Anthony Davis and stuff. He was terrific last night. And if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, that run that they went on, it, it can't happen. It can't happen. It was 81-79 to 79 with 10 minutes to go. At five minutes, the score was 96-84. to 84. Nuggets. Wow. Just like that. That's a big switch. That's a big switch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous because 
the way they started to play and the way that LeBron, who is broke as hell right now, keeps taking these threes. Bron, that's not what you need to do right now. LeBron James is one for 20-something from the three-point line in the fourth quarter in all of the playoffs. So 0 for 6 last night total from three. You were talking yesterday about how he had to be more confident with his jump shot, but you didn't mean it had to be a three. No. Right? It just needed to be a jump shot at times. He went 0 for 6. He looks so out of sorts with that jump shot. It just does not look – he's not trusting it. At all. He's like a golfer – with the driver on the tee, and they have no clue where the ball's going. He's missed 19 straight threes in the fourth quarter, dating back to game two of the first round. That's the longest streak by any player in the last 25 postseasons. Wow. That's, 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 that's stupid. That's incredible. Yeah, and you know, I he had a bad game last night from the missed layups to the smoke dunk. You don't see that. He was trying to do something nasty to get his team going. He was trying to do his classic, like, reverse. Yeah, I think he had, that's where he was headed. He was headed to that, Definitely. and the ball just slipped out of his hands, and they were winning. It was about 70-62 to 62 at the time. I think he got caught between Tomahawk and the, and the reverse, and I think you're right. He realized, I'm going to be too close for Tomahawk. I'll go reverse. And then he lost it. And that was second quarter. And it gave the crowd a chance to clown him for a second. And then the energy that he was hoping for was gone. It was gone. And, yeah, that was – I mean, he had 22, 9, and 10. And we'll, we would say he needed to give them more. And then, Zay, it was 18 and 14 from Anthony Davis. But they had to have more. And he didn't give it to him. He didn't give it to him. Once again, up and down, and this was one of the downs. That odd even number thing came back to get him because he's been awful in games two, four, and six. It's another game two here where he was bad. Yeah, and again, I I don't really understand starting Jared Vanderbilt because he's not giving you much defensively anyway. He only played 17 minutes, and he's not doing anything offensively. Nope. Just start Ruby Hachimura. Put Austin Reeves on Jamal Murray. Tell Austin Reeves every dribble handoff, every on-ball screen, go over the top and make Jamal Murray drive. If he knocks down twos, cool. But we, if he's knocking down twos and we got the ball out of Nikola Jokic's hands and he's not dishing that thing to the shooters, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Michael Porter Jr., who Michael Porter Jr., he hit some huge threes last night. Uh-huh. I see somebody on Specs text line say, that shot is pretty. It's so pretty. Like, it's just so pretty. Like, white man can't jump. It's too easy. Let's stop giving him that. Five for ten overall. That's not good. Four for seven from, not... from, from range. And then Bruce Brown was hitting timely threes, too. So yeah. their other guys are outplaying your other guys. And their star players, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, they're outplaying Braun and Anthony Davis. Okay, Zay, let me make an argument from Darvin Ham's side of it. If Darvin Ham came to you today and said, Zay, I get it. You want me to start Hachimura. But... He went 30 minutes, only three minutes less than Russell. He went way more minutes than Vanderbilt, gave us 21 off the bench, so it doesn't matter that he didn't start. What would you say? I would say he could have given you 30 if you would have started him and given them 38 minutes and let Jared Vanderbilt play nine. That's what I would say. <laughs> Simple math, Chad. Yeah. Simple math. That's yeah. what I would say. Let how, him eat. Let how, him keep eating. He was knocking down mid-ranger. LeBron, you have the best IQ in arguably NBA history. Let's keep going to Rui. They said, somebody texted us, even Rui, Rui uh, was talking at halftime. Yeah, he was because he was seven for seven. Cooking. How in the world? So he starts – Seven for seven. Gordon Ramsay cooking. They talk to him at halftime. He goes in, and then Zay, he walks back on the floor in that game and took three shots in the second half. 
Three. Now, there were four free throws. I understand that factors in. But only four free throws for the total game. Four for four, by the way. And he only took three more field goals the rest of the night? I mean, I just... It's tough. I mean, how... That's coaching. That play... That's coaching decisions. That play, by the way, little brilliance for a team that lost, I know. But that little moment they showed where LeBron is dribbling out high and he's motioning like he's calling Hachimura to come screen for him. But really, he knows he's about to throw the lob, and it's like, no, come on, come on, come on. Throws that lob, Hachimura pounds it down. I'm thinking, okay, there's the rhythm of that team tonight. Hachimura's their guy. they got to ride him, and then LeBron and Davis have to come with him. It just didn't happen. Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense. He won you game one of the Grizzlies series by dropping that 20-something, 29 or something like that. Let him keep eating, kind of like with Joe Mazzulla and Jason Tatum not really getting ball in the fourth quarter, even though he had those three big turnovers in game one versus Miami. Jason Tatum didn't get the ball when he needed to. Jalen Brown didn't get the ball when he needed to. When you got somebody cooking, F the game plan. You right. change the game plan as the game flows. That's he, what coaching's all about. You becomes, gotta read the game. You feel the game. He is the game plan. Now. He's the game plan. Yeah. He's eating. His percentage is great. He's efficient. Like LeBron James is 0 for 6 from 3. He's not making anything. LeBron shot like three bad threes in a row. When he fell out of bounds after that ridiculous flop and somebody in the crowd gave him that town, he wiped his face. For one, he came back in and like licked his hands. As a germaphobe, that's the nastiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like you just fall in the stands, they you you got beer spilling on you and stuff. He like wiped his shirt and like licked his hands. Then he came down and shot a horrible three. It's like, dog, man. Miles, you think about LeBron James and Jeff Van Gundy or Mike Breen said a crazy stat last night. He's played 208 playoff games. That's three extra NBA seasons. 82 games seasons. He's played three extra. That's ridiculous. In year 20, that is nuts. It's like the stuff we used to talk about with Kobe. Yeah. How much extra he'd played. Right. And Kobe used to break down, and it was (laughs) sad. Yes, he did. It was sad. See, there's a picture of Kobe in year 20. It seems like he has an ice pack on every part of his body. Go look that picture up. Kobe with all the ice packs and stuff. It it looks fake. And LeBron, he hurt his ankle again last night. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. Not good. Not good. Which... Austin Reeves, you hit that three. LeBron's down on the other end with a hurt ankle. You hit that three. You get within two. Dennis Schroeder, why are you fouling? Yeah, they, they, they finally did yeah. what they're supposed to do. You go over the top. But Jamal Murray, he did a really good job of letting Dennis Schroeder stay with him. And Dennis Schroeder just, like, ran into him, was just bodying him the whole time. And then it was good enough for Jamal Murray to draw that foul. He knocks down two free throws. They go up four. Anthony Davis misses that three in the corner. Ball game right there. Ball game. They go down, they have to foul again. Jamal Murray, he missed that free throw, which I think hurt the spread a little bit. Sorry for all you gamblers out there. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, just dumb mistakes at weird times. And the Lakers had a lot of control in that game, a ton of control. And that, when I talked about it being 81 to 79, the Lakers' way with 10 minutes to go, five minutes later, it's 96 to 84, That's brutal. Jamal Murray hit two huge threes. Michael Porter Jr., Bruce Brown, all three of those guys hit some key 
big time threes, and Darvin Ham had to call a timeout, and that was it. And that's one of those things we've, we've talked about it with Missoula, where he's not taking those timeouts. There's a couple times where Ham needs to take them earlier. Yes. There's a couple times where he needs to pull that trigger a little earlier, too. We got some Specs text line stuff coming 337 3776 if you want to jump in. This one says LeBron's on court antics are getting old. How come <laughs> he gets to bark at the refs nonstop and not get a T? Well, he's LeBron. Yeah, he's LeBron. Oh, man. This says, is MPJ. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., the most efficient player in the NBA right now. No. He doesn't get enough attempts to be that. Pretty damn efficient. Uh, This says ball hog LeBron chokes away another one. Was that the problem? Was ball hog the problem Um, last night? I wouldn't say ball hogging. I would just say some guys took shots that they shouldn't have shot at the end. Anthony Davis missed some big shots, too. Like, shot choice. Yeah, shot times. selection yeah. wasn't the best. And just <laughs> dumb dumb moves. That foul by Dennis Schroeder, that was a dumb move. Yeah, like, it really was. That no, was a really a, bad play. It's a great one to bring up. Somebody texted, Davis getting the wide open and uh, but getting wide open and going for three is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I mean, he hit one earlier. He did hit one. He hit one in the corner earlier, I, so I get him taking another, but... He took three of them, ah, man. Dang, man. Why is he out there taking threes? And, and yo, Mike Malone is petty. Um, he's doing exactly what you need to do as a head coach that's an underdog. Yeah. He is embracing it. He is going to the presser, and he's saying, yo, I'm, we're still disrespected. All y'all talked about after this past game was about what the Lakers didn't do right. Not about what we did right. Yeah. It's about what the Lakers did wrong. And and by the way, I want to give him the Kirby Smart Award. The Kirby Smart, we're actually the best team, but we're going to pretend like we're not award to Malone because he's wrong, ultimately. That's silly to say nobody talked about Joker. Like, really, come on, dude. It was a freaky historic performance, and of course we talked. All everybody wanted to talk about was that the Lakers had found something. <laughs> he's got that, ch- but I love it. It's like Jimmy Butler. He'll come up with anything, and you're right. He's playing that card. Zay, they're the one seed. They're the one seed playing the, what are they, the seven? The Lakers yeah, are the seven, seven, right? They're up 2-0. They just held the home court, and he's acting like everybody picked the Lakers to sweep. Yo, man. That's what he's acting like. That's coaching. That's coaching. It's great. Jamal Murray, he said on the podium yesterday, too, yeah, I feel like I'm a better than a lot of guys in this league. I don't get the credit. <laughs> like, what? Jamal and he Murray, has, he's never been to an all-star game, so I get what he means, and okay. he's trying to prove yeah, the yeah. world wrong. And when he was hurt, a lot of people forgot about him. A lot of people said, you ain't going to come back and be that same dude that you were in the bubble. He has came back and then some. Yeah, okay, so real quick before this break, talk to me about how they dealt with Joker last night. He ended up with 23, 17, and 12, which is a stupid, silly line, but I felt like he was sort of controlled or contained a little bit. That wasn't the freakiest Joker we've seen. What do you think about how they dealt with him? They didn't contain him at all. And oh no, God. ain't no way. 13, oh, come on, man. 12 assists, 17 rebounds. Maybe. Every time he caught the ball, he pushed it. They were so bad at transition defense, L.A., and it was because of him. Because his ability to catch the ball from a rebound, push it, and find guys on the outside. And they're so worried about the shooters, they allow layups. Jeff Green had a nasty dunk pushing the ball. Bruce Brown had a couple of layups. And Aaron Gordon, too, a couple of layups just running the floor. Because they're so afraid of all the shooters around Joker. They go to the shooters first. It's the new age NBA. Nobody cuts to the basket on fast breaks. They go out to the three-point line. The Lakers did that, and it led to a lot of easy buckets for the Nuggets. So even though they 
kept his points down at 23, which sounds like progress. It's because he was able to spread it out to everybody else and they still get up into the, you know, 108 range. You're saying there was really no effect. No, that's how he wants to play. Yeah. That's how Mike Malone wants them to play. Jamal Murray just missed shots in the first half. It wasn't like he was missing, you know, bad shots. He was taking good shots. He was just missing them. The other thing with Joker that continuously – it just impresses me. When I was growing up, we saw a lot of big men take hook shots, the most famous being Kareem's hook shot. But it always felt stationary. It needed to be prepped, it needed to be set up, and then it was taken. That dude in full motion, little hooks, little, little floaters, little, floaters mm-hmm. little teardrops and stuff, his ability to never stop in some plays but make a really fluid shot go in is remarkable to me. He's in ridiculous shape. He's in really good shape for his size. And you think about the altitude. He has to be for all the responsibility that he does for that team. And you can kind of see it on L.A. yesterday. That altitude's getting to him a little bit. It's getting to him. And the people online are talking about, oh, the Nuggets have an advantage. They've never won a championship ever. They've been to the finals. Ever. One, they're trying to get there for the very first time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's everybody has to deal with it. They've had some pretty good teams that couldn't get over the hump. Those Carmelo Anthony teams, teams in the '80s. Alex English, who was nice. My Whoa. dad used to talk about Alex English back in the I day. I dug some Alex English back Alex then. Alex yeah, English yeah. was nice. People play. sleep on him. He, he could hoop. So you know, it's it's always been there. But yeah, Lakers fans, they just belly aching. Here's the other great part. You mentioned the co- we mentioned the coach and Murray. You got to give Joker credit for his presser last night too because he sat there as the two-time MVP of the league who you could have given it to him again. He had that game. He went 23-17-12, freakiest crazy big we've ever seen, and he sat there and talked about them being disrespected. I don't think anybody really cares what we are. I don't think anybody really <laughs> – nobody, nobody really pays attention to who we are. I can't even believe you are here. And he just is like moping after the game. Like, dude, your coach is brilliant. You're brilliant. Your other star is brilliant because you've convinced your whole team that no one believes in a one seed. Yeah, man, that's they're tough. They're hard nosed, and they need yeah. guys like Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, that was such a perfect get. That was such a good get He's in this great. last offseason, bringing him along. Mike Malone saying, all right, you're going to be a backup for us. If you knock that shot down, you can play some huge minutes, and – He's been knocking down huge shots. He guarded LeBron for a good length of time. He got D'Angelo Russell completely out of his game yeah, and mentally. At, and look at the minutes number for him. 37. 37. I was like, he came off the bench, so look at Rui. Off the bench. Hachimura, 37. It could happen. It's possible. <laughs> it can be done. It can be done. It's possible. Catavius Carwell pope wasn't having that game. What did Mike Malone say? All right, KCP. You good. Talk on the bench. You were mic'd up last night. He was locked in. He did his thing, but it was Bruce Brown's night. So, for the record, you're saying if you bring a guy off the bench, there's not a limit to how many minutes you can play him? Nope. You're not, you can do whatever you want? Nope. Okay. Not right. one bit. Somebody might want to let Darvin Ham know that one. All right. Lakers down 2-0. Denver controlling things there. Eastern Conference Finals hits game two tonight in Boston. We will talk about that one. Also up next, on three's got a list of their top 100 college football players for this season. Who's on top? And are there any Longhorns on the list? We will tell you next. On the horn. Chad and Zay. 
There we go. I'm guessing they play this at some point every night at the dish. They certainly should. Texas beat West Virginia 12-2 last night if you missed it. Uh, Put me in, Coach. Center field by John Fogarty. Johnny. John Fogarty, lead singer of uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, in case you don't know that one from back in the day. But also to me, Zay, this is a true gem of a song because it does something that's hard to do. It is really hard to make a good song about sports. Yeah. To, to me. There are songs that can work around sports. A good hype song, a good at-bat song, but a song about a sport can be so dorky and clunky. For years, people have been sending me songs and videos, and here's a song I wrote about the 2004 Texas, and it's always just like, oh, it's just so hard to do. It's so difficult to do. Yeah. Basketball is my favorite sport. That's pretty good. Who who does that? <laughs> I can't remember. See? <laughs> I can't remember. That's a good one. And yeah, John kills this. Oh, the one basketball. Yeah, basketball. It's tough. This one's good though because you get the references, you get some historical references, and say hey and Joe DiMaggio and stuff, and it's just it. It's still even now that song came out in the '80s. Like it still feels like it's it's okay. It's not some dorky song. So they made a remake of the basketball song with Lil Bow Wow. I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to disrespect the originator. <laughs> uh-huh. But Bow Wow during the Like Mike era. You remember Like Mike? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the movie where he uh-huh. basically is like Space Jam but just with shoes. Uh-huh. He made a basketball song. I think Fabulous is on it, too. Okay. And it's just a remake of mm-hmm. just with Bow Wow's lyrics. All right. Fair enough. Um, we'll get to some football stuff here, football, basketball. Obviously, a lot of stuff on the brain today. Also, for you golf freaks, it is PGA Championship time, and there is a Longhorn lurking. Scotty Scheffler's only one shot back of the lead. He's at minus three. Justin Rose, to give you another big name, is at minus three. And look who's on top of the leaderboard. That's right. The new version of Smart Hulk, Bryson DeChambeau. I'll talk more about him in the crap bag, but he's at minus four, shot a 66. He'll go out a little later today. We'll keep you updated on uh, the PGA. Some of the other big names, not good news for Mickelson, Spieth, Thomas, Kepka. They're all at plus numbers, plus one for Dustin Johnson. Uh, he's through 17 holes. He's kind of in the discussion. Rory's also at plus one. All right, uh, we talked some NBA already. Denver up two games to none and just remember that math uh, hopefully later in the show, 2 o'clock hour uh, we're hoping to talk to Jeff Ketchum of orangebloods.com He's the, Ketch is the guy who always would remind me at a 2-0 series, they have to win 4 out of 5 now mm-hmm. 2-0 is such a big deal because you have to win 4 out of 5, it's easy math to do but I think it's important to keep reminding somebody of that, of Zay how important it is for the non-home team to get a split right away to get themselves into that series. Now LeBron and Anthony Davis have to win four out of five or it's done. Were you thinking that in 06 in the finals when your Mavs went up 2-0 and then got absolutely hosed by the refs and Dwayne Wade? I was thinking, how dare you, first of all. Um, <laughs> That's the one that comes to mind to me. No, no, no. Mavs being up 2-0 and then the Heat going so straight. What I was thinking then and what I think now is that when you're up 13 with six minutes to go in game three in that situation, you just have to win. Just got to win. Period. Yep. I don't want to hear – I get so sick of hearing about officials in that series and Dwayne Wade. That's, to me, it's not why the Mavs lost. They lost because they lost. 
You don't go up 2-0 and be up 13 with six minutes to go in game three and lose a series and then bitch about it. I didn't want to hear that stuff. And eventually they ended up getting their title, but they should have too. Yeah, a big difference between that series and this series here. Back in the finals, that was 3-2-2. 2-3-2. 2-3-2, excuse me. 2-3-2. Now it's 2-2-1-1-1. Yeah, more set up the way it should be to me. That's how it should be. Love 2-2. Love the 2-2-1-1-1. That that was a big deal in that Heat series. Miami having three straight home games with how that crowd was. Yeah. With D-Wade and just how they played at home. That was huge. It's really weird. The numbers would not tell you that it really gave that middle team an advantage, but at times it at times it did, and that was a big series. That was the – wasn't that the 15-strong Miami Heat team where Pat Riley pulled all that stuff together with Shaq and oh, yeah. Dwayne Wade and all that? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that was an emotionally-led team, and by the end of it you heard all those stories. That's like – and that's a young, uh, what was his name, that X-Factor guy? That, yeah, Haslam, right? The one Udonis. That young Udonis Haslam <laughs> on that team. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, people don't give NBA arenas enough credit for home court advantages. I think people just think, oh, it's the NBA. It's not college. So how tough is it? You know, these guys are pros. How tough is it? It could be a thing. Definitely with this Nugget series, again, we talk about the altitude. You go back in the day and look at those Bull teams. People would say Chicago Stadium was a madhouse when Michael Jordan went in those first three rings before they moved to the United Center. Chicago Stadium was the hardest place to play. It was like the Garden, but worse because they were right on top of you. Iconic like locker room down below, so you had to like come up onto the court. And the stories of how hot it was in there. Yeah, it was different. And I know Jordan, Pippen, Phil Jackson, they were huge too, obviously, but... Places like Chicago Stadium, places like the Boston Garden in the 80s with all the little weird quirks that happen. If you dribble on this part of the court, you might lose the ball. Well, and dead spots. Dead and spots. They, and, and they used to show in between the little park, the wood and stuff, there were spots where you could put like four quarters <laughs> in, in the seam. <laughs> it was like, wait, what are we looking at here? Oh, Red, you were such a snake, man. Dude, Rest in peace. Dude, it was crazy. You were such a snake. Yeah, there's no telling how many people Red had buried under that floor. But anyway, that's a different story. Uh, and by the way, we'll talk about those fans tonight in Boston. How nervous will you be if you're walking in in green after what Jimmy Butler and that crew did to you in that third quarter the other night? Game two of that series is tonight. We're also going to talk some uh, college football here. 106 days till Texas's first game. We're going to go over the Longhorn schedule at 105. And we'll see if Zay was going to put his money down in Vegas. Is he going over 9.5 or under 9.5? We'll go over that. But right now, Zay, let's talk about this on three list. They put together a list of their top 100 college football players for this season. That's right. Before we get to Longhorns, I'm fascinated at the top of the list with all these quarterbacks we just lost. And I can't come up with an obvious one in my head. I'll feel dumb when you say it, I'm sure. But For the number one? Yeah, like who's one? I mean... The Heisman Trophy winner. Who am I? Oh, it's Caleb. Okay. I'm sorry. Who's back? Yeah. Okay. So Caleb's number one. Yeah. Cal- give, give me top five. All right. Caleb Williams, USC quarterback. Number two, Drake May, North Carolina quarterback. The number other QB. Three, Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver, Ohio State. Number four, Brock Bowers, tight end, Georgia. Oh, I forgot he's back. Uh-huh. For the first defensive player, number five, Jared Verse, edge rusher, Florida State. Ooh. Number six, Harold Perkins, linebacker, LSU. Number seven, Olu Fashionu. 
I might have botched that, but he's uh, don't know the name. Yeah, offensive tackle, Penn State. Oh, okay, so you're wait. You said number five overall is an edge rusher from Florida State. Yes, got to pay attention to that name. What's Definitely. his name again? Jared Verse. Verse. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. So then Longhorns on the list. Let everybody know where where Texas factors in. So this should make you feel good, Texas fans, because Marvin Harrison Jr. is number three on the list for the first wide receiver on this board, and the second wide receiver is Xavier Worthy at twenty one. Mm, okay. Behind him is the other Ohio State uh, wide receiver, Emeka Ugaba. How do you pronounce his name? Ooh, I don't know. I'm not familiar with him. Now that those other guys have left, all I know is Harrison Jr. Yeah, he had a good season. But, yeah, that's the person right after him. So, Xavier Wordy is 21. Go all the way down to 51 is Kelvin Banks. Oh, Banks getting love. Okay. Yeah, I think that's going to be pushed up very shortly. People starting to know. Absolutely. Number 75. Quarterback, Quinn yours. Okay. And to end the conversation for the horns on this list, which is very interesting, number 86, A.D. Mitchell. Wow. See, that's the one I couldn't think of earlier. I was able to guess those first three fairly quickly, and then I couldn't – I just forgot about A.D. Mitchell. In turn, you had to say transfer. I'm like, oh, and I even guessed Nayer before that. Uh, so, yeah, A.D. Mitchell getting love, which makes sense, the fact that he was on – uh, you know, such a big time team as Georgia. Uh, so four Longhorns making the top 100 list for college football. That is uh, that is big. I like that number for Quinn Ewers too. A chance to kind of throw a little bit of a chip on the shoulder there. Absolutely. You know, um, we know the talent is there. It's just you got to put it on the field and. He's done all the steps so far to show us that he's going to come back a better and more professional quarterback. You know, we talk about his arm and what he does on the field, but it's also about his attitude. And there were so many times last year where his attitude is not where it should be as the quarterback of the Texas Longhorns. Even when you throw interceptions, sometimes you got to go over the sideline, pat everybody on the head. My bad, y'all. My bad, y'all. When we get back on the field, we're going to run it down their throats. We're about to blast these guys. That's on me. Talk to A.J. Milwee and them. Sark, what do you need to correct? And then get back on the field and do something. There were too many moments where you would see the camera on him on the sideline, and he'd have that just pout face with the mullet. It just did not look good. It gave a lot of Horn fans a real really bad look and I think he's gonna clean things like that up even though we need to see him clean up things on the field like his footwork and his accuracy whatnot we got to see the attitude get better because it's not always going to be pretty even though this team has so many expectations I agree with you it was like a blank face to me in some ways and that is the one person that has to have the right kind of reaction you have to be welcoming in certain ways you have to be strict in some ways you have to get on guys if they need again when and he and Worthy are roommates too they've got to figure out their dynamic because if there's a moment where Xavier Worthy drops another pass this season they both need to deal with that the right way. They both need to take that accountability quickly, and maybe it wouldn't hurt if we saw the quarterback go to him and it's like, that's unacceptable. What are you doing? Yeah. What is it? And and he knows it too, and he's immediately patting the chest, man, that's on me and it's awful, you know, we, we got to do that. But, yeah, that that level of it needs to rise up. Obviously, they got to just get better connections because uh, it just felt like they couldn't. It was the classic thing of either the pass was there and it got dropped or the receiver ran a beautiful route and the pass was nowhere close. So those two guys do need to come together. But I would agree with you. Yeah, if I'm a Texas fan, I want to see a little more of that leadership style coming out of Quinn. Yeah, I mean, Sam Ellinger, Ellinger, he was great with it. 
Like his attitude, it was always great. We know mm-hmm. the talent that Sam had isn't the talent that Quinn Ewers does, but Sam willed his way to wins. And he gave everybody like, man, we got 11 on our squad. We got a chance just by his energy and yep. his attitude. And Quinn, he has to work on that. And it's very difficult when you come in as a freshman and you don't have skins on the wall. How do you really yell at somebody? How do you give these guys confidence when things go wrong because you're so worried about doing well? Plus, you're the quarterback for the Texas Longhorns. All eyes are on you. You are the best or highest rated prospect coming out of high school. You Mm -hmm. heard C.J. Stroud talk about it when we played that clip last week and how that just lit a fire under his ass at Ohio State and how offended he felt. Yeah, pissed him off just like that. And, you know, Quinn just has to be better all around, and I think he is, and I like lists like this. I hope he sees guys like Drake May and Caleb Williams and thinks that, oh, I'm closer to those guys and I'm getting credit for. Show that this year. I know he wants to be up in those mock drafts, and he could do that if he has the season that we expect him to have. Here's another thing you got to like as a Texas fan. Kelvin Banks was throwing leadership skills around as a freshman. Yes, he was. And now it's one year past one year, one year down the road, in the weight room, on the sideline, when stuff goes wrong, when one of his guys gets a big holding penalty and stops a drive, Kelvin Banks is going to let him know. And that's going to get caught on television. And it's going to be great, I think, for Texas fans to see. One of your studs calling him out, getting a guy's face if you need to. Kelvin Banks is going to show that. I think going to show us some even more of that good leadership now that he is no longer a freshman. It's just going to build and build. There's a healthy way of letting your teammates know and holding them accountable, you know, kind of like coaching. You got to know who you could absolutely rip Nick Nolte blue chip style That's right. and who you could kind of coddle and, you know, grab around the arm and say, hey, son, how you doing? Talk about their family. Are you homesick? Just this and that. There's different ways to go That's about right. coaching. And as a leader of teams, there are different ways to go about leadership each guy has to find what works best for them. And, yeah, man, that's why I'm so excited about this season because, like Sark has said, it seems like you're getting a lot of those guys with the talent that we see that are going to be holding each other accountable. Coach, was it Coach Bell? Was that his name in Blue Chips? Coach Bell goes into every year now probably thinking, okay, here's my GD list and this is my non-GD <laughs> list. I got to know which ones I can yell at and which ones I can't. I can't believe it. Like, Blue Chips, the producers, y'all really think it's a good idea for the coach to rip the team like they lost before the game. And destroy the locker room. Just destroy the locker room. Yeah. Destroy the locker We're trying to prep for the game, coach. I need to know what number 22 on that other side. Yeah. I need to know what he's best at so we can take it away. Oh, you're too busy GDing us? All right, we're just going to let you do that and throw clothes and, you know, just cause an absolute ruckus. Hey, uh, trainer, can you make sure we have water at halftime? Because I just threw the cooler across the room. We don't, we're not going to have water. All right, uh, there's your uh, look at that on three top 100 list for college football. Coming up, we'll take a look at that Texas schedule at 105 and a couple of the other teams and see where those over-unders are sitting for Vegas. Look at some schedules at 105 and see whether you'd put your money on over or under. You can let us know. 9.5 for you Texas fans. Up next in the crap bag, there's a legend that's going out on his own terms and there's a legend that's coming back in a different form we'll talk about it on the horn Chad and Zay
Oh, that's fantastic. And they just answered our question. Curtis Blow is the one that did this? Curtis Blow. Oh, dude. My favorite play is the alley-oop. I like the give and go. Oh. I'm not sure how this one stands up over time. Say, what do you think? You're a basketball guy. Does this still stand up? Oh, yeah. It's still a hit. Still a hit. Oh, yeah. Still works. All right. Curtis Blow and John Fogarty. A couple of uh, good songs about sports to get us started today. Uh, We hope you are having a good one. As long as we are talking basketball. Before we get to uh, the crap bags, let's talk about Tyrese Hunter. Great news for you and all Longhorn basketball fans. Last night, uh, it was a simple post that just said, run that back. Let's get it. Tyrese Hunter coming back to Texas. That's big, man. That's huge. The Wisconsin native coming back. We know him transferring from Iowa State was huge last year. And he had a solid season, even though he went through that little slump. I thought he was big towards the end of the season. He was good in the postseason. And if you add Max A. Smith and Kendall Weaver along with the backcourt, man, you got one of the tougher backcourts in the nation. It's going to be interesting to see Tyrese Hunter and Max A. Smith, see how they work out together because both guys like the ball in their hands and they aren't the biggest guys. So it'll be very intriguing to see the matchups that Coach Terry puts out there. But if you look at the front line, they're big. They got Caden uh, Shedrick, who's mm-hmm. around seven foot. You got Dylan DeSue coming back. Oyema from UTEP. He's about six eight. So this is a way bigger team than what we saw last year. Just you think about Max Aismas taking over for Marcus Carr. Could he do that? I think he can. You think about Kendall Weaver taking over for Serge Jabari Rice. That's some big shoes it to really fill. It really is, yeah. But we need Tyrese Hunter to have another year under his belt to be better. His 10 points need to go to maybe a 14. Those two assists maybe get that to about five or so. Mm-hmm. If he does that, then the Orns, they're competing with the Kansas of the world, Kansas State, to be in that mix for a Big 12 championship. Interesting stat they put together uh, over at Texas. The last 11 games of last season, um, Hunter shot 40% from three. Yeah, he came around. I, I just I guess I didn't realize it was that hot towards the end. That's, when, that's a good stat. When Chris Beard left the team, he went on a really bad slump. Yeah, it was tough. He wasn't knocking down any jumpers. He wasn't giving the horns much of anything. His defense was down. It was a tough streak, and I thought Arterio Morris should have got a lot more tick during that time. But Coach Terry and the coaching staff they stuck with him, and I thought it benefited those last eleven games because he realized, okay, I just need to get my shot back. I see everybody's kind of turned against me, especially Longhorn Nation. If I get that shot back with the way Marcus Carr and Dylan DeSue and Serge Barry Rice came along, you saw what happened. They went to an Elite Eight. All right, so uh, Longhorn fans, if you missed that story, big news there as Tyrese Hunter will be back for Texas. No official word on Dylan Mitchell yet, but the expectation is that Dylan Mitchell will probably be staying in the uh, NBA draft, but we'll uh, we'll keep our eyes open for that one as well. We'll talk more Texas football coming up at 105 right now. Let's get you a quick crap bag, including a guy that's going to make me get emotional when he starts waving. Chad's crap bag. Crap bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just think of a bag of crap. Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. I'm going to call both these guys legends. One of them definitely is. One of them's trying to be one. But the first legend is Rafael Nadal. I'm a big tennis guy. It's been announced that Rafa's not going to play the French Open this year. 
So officially, someone else has a chance. So congrats to all those guys. Does he always win it? Uh, he's won 14 of them. Damn. 14. More, he has won more French Opens than anyone, man or woman, has won any major ever. What's French Open? Clay, grass. That's Clay. That's Clay. Yep. Clay, slower, mm-hmm. grinder. It's as physical as it gets, and yeah. he just gets dudes out there and smashes them. Uh, and he's been so much fun to watch. He's an incredible gentleman of the game, and he's also announced that 2024 is going to be his last season. So Rafa gets a retirement parade. Rafa gets to go wave to those people one more time. Hopefully he's healthy in the 2024 French Open. Hell, he'll probably be the favorite because he's Rafa. Um, He debuted all the way back in, what, 05, I think it was, to show you how long he's been playing. But uh, hopefully he gets to go out on his own terms. He's had a lot of injuries. I thought tennis was going to beat up his body where he wasn't going to be able to be quite this dominant. But the man's got 22. He's the all-time guy right now in terms of Grand Slam. So Rafa going to say goodbye in 2024, and he won't play the French this year. Now the young legend I'm watching, yeah, I'll call him a legend because, one, he's got a Texas connection, and two, I just loved the Bryson DeChambeau move to bulk himself up because he just thought that was the right thing to do. It got him a major, but now Bryson DeChambeau's coming back down. Smart Hulk is going to about 210, 215. He's on a new diet. He changed how many calories he's taken in. Zay, he's, he's one of my favorite athletes because he's such a nerd. He is a crazy algorithm scientific nerd. He has been since before he bulked up. He was the guy we heard about where it's like, yeah, he's got all of his iron shaved at the exact same length. Golfers freaked out when they heard that. Like, what do you mean? Because they're always different. Golfers know, like, the, the wedge you're using really close in, well, it's a different length than your 7-iron. Not for DeChambeau. He did all these calculations and, no, I'm going to do the exact same swing every time and I know how to figure that out and I'm going to do this. And eventually he realized, oh, wait a minute, now I'll just bulk up. I'll go super calories. I'll eat what Michael Phelps eats, and I'm just going to smash it all over the course. And even if I'm off center, I'll be closer to the hole. That'll work. It did get him a major, but he realized it's going to wear his body out long term, and it wasn't quite giving him what he wanted. Now, as of this right, as of this first round of this tournament in the last couple, he's averaging about 313 off the tee which is like fourth or fifth, something like that, but he's hitting fairways. He's realizing he's gone back now to the kind Way of the, more accurate than the other was. side of it, right? you got to be – you have got to be accurate. I don't think there is a legendary golfer ever that would tell you, you know what the key was? Swing as hard as you can. Yeah. That is not the key. Anybody that's ever played golf will tell you that. It's a kooky little magic activity where – Gripping it as hard as you can and hitting it as hard as you can isn't always the answer. In fact, it's rarely the answer. It's more of the, oh, that was just really effortless, and the ball went further, and the ball went straighter. Yeah, so you're telling me Happy Gilmore is not accurate? Well, I don't know. They have done a little research on that Happy Gilmore swing that if you can hit it straight, it will go further. It's just hard to make it go straight every yeah. time. Uh, so he, Bryson DeChambeau, tied at minus four now. By the way, shout out to Scotty Scheffler, former Longhorn, birdied number one today. So minus four, DeChambeau and Scheffler. Look, I know DeChambeau's a live guy, so maybe people don't like him because of that. But he went to SMU. He was rocking that old, I don't know what you call the old hat they used to wear, the old Payne Stewart golf hat. He's got a lot of 
crazy kookiness in him, and I just love him. So I'm rooting for Bryson DeChambeau to get this all figured out. If he can win a major at bulked-up hulky version and then the smaller Hulk version, uh, I'll love it. Yo, what was he eating before? Oh, dude, he was up at like... 50-something hundred calories a day. Whoa, and now what? And now he says he's gotten it down uh, like just under 3,000. He said when he went on this diet he's on now, he lost like 28 pounds in two weeks. Something like that. That doesn't sound healthy. And he was like, it was all water. He goes, I just didn't really. Anyway, whatever he was eating, nah. he's like, and they, they listen. He, I stayed away from this. I stayed away from gluten. I, stayed, I got away from this, and everything came off. So, yeah, he is, uh, he's, a whole nother, he's a whole nother brand of vodka. But I dig the shambo. A lot. Uh, all right, so there you go. One o'clock hour coming up. Let's talk Longhorns to start this hour. We're 106 days away from the first Longhorn game. I think we can all agree they'll probably win that one. But how many more do they win? Over, under in Vegas, 9.5. We'll go game by game and see if we think Texas is going to win 10 games next year. Coming up in the flex segment, Round Rock strikes first in that big baseball series, plus more big-time weightlifting going on from the flex crew around the area. All that's coming up on the Horn.